You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Oh, Heavenly Father, we come to you and we ask that you be with us as we gather now in your name. We give you thanks for your necessary and gracious and saving intervention in the gift of Jesus, your Son, and that you have promised through him that you would not leave us as orphans, but that you would indeed send your Holy Spirit, that you yourself would be uh, our counsel and our guide and our advocate. Speak, uh, I pray, uh, not through me, but through your Spirit this day. Pray that we would ultimately hear that which you desire for us to hear, and that you would plant your seeds of life and faith and salvation in our lives, we pray. And all this we ask, all this we offer, through the name of your Son, who is Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Um, well, anyway, great to see you guys. Um, as it's you know, it's COVID, so it's nice to see anyone. I mean, I, I do like uh, each of you personally, but it's nice to see anyone these days. Uh, I, we're going to be looking a little bit at, at Mark's gospel, and I'll I'll go ahead and give uh, give an unnecessary preface here um, to say that that I don't have all this worked out um, just yet, and so I invite you um, to walk along with me. Uh, we're going to look. Primarily at, at, at the fourth chapter of Mark's gospel is, is what we're going to look at today. We're sort of do a little quick breeze perhaps through those first four chapters, but particularly focusing in uh, on, on Mark um, chapter four. And I think it's timely at any time, but particularly in our current context and moment, I think it's uh, especially um, timely. I'll see, this is stuff that y'all are probably familiar with, but always uh, find a little context and a little preface um, helpful to talk a little bit about Mark's gospel in general because I you know your your audience matters um, I mean ultimately um, Mark Matthew and Luke and John it's all the message of Jesus and the proclamation of the gospel is the is the focus clearly uh, and yet as you know context impacts us uh, and matters and so Mark is writing in a context a primarily Gentile context in Rome. I mean, certainly there's uh, Jews and Gentiles that are that are gathered together in that community, but it's a it's a less Jewish and it's a far more um, Gentile audience to whom he's speaking. But he's also speaking uh, in in Rome uh, and and in a time of um, I guess to some degree it's always a time of persecution, but it's uh, it's a hostile environment in which he lives and goes about life and ministry. And so he's, he's proclaiming a word to people who are likely struggling for their faith. Um, so, I mean, again, that's going to affect um, the, the means of communication and what you communicate and what you hope to say by way of truth, by way of encouragement, by way of, of strengthening and support. Um, and the, the last thing, uh, uh, well, last two things I'll say, um, Mark is is writing down the eyewitness accounts of Peter. So, so Peter, uh, Mark has been a disciple of Peter, and so Peter is relaying, the, you know, Peter's the eyewitness, and so he's relaying these things to Mark. And so that's an interesting thing to think about as you read through Mark's gospel and see the way that things are portrayed. This is Peter speaking honestly about himself and the others, um, sharing honestly, yes, their their faith, but also their their weaknesses. And the final thing I'll say is this, and I find this personally encouraging, and I hope that you do as well. 
uh, we, we read about John Mark in the Acts of the Apostles, and, and this has always been a, is a big one. His mother likely is one of the ones that went to the tomb um, to anoint the body of Jesus following um, his, uh, his crucifixion. We, uh, we, we hear of them gathering um, at their home likely for the Last Supper. Um, but one of the things that I, th- I love about uh, the story of John Mark, John Mark um, went along with, with Paul and Luke on one of the early missionary journeys, and, and we hear that he, he turned back. Um, and you know, the, the, the guess is, um, uh, yeah, just, uh, well, there, there was a British bishop that, that quipped, um, uh, yeah, sort of what's wrong with his ministry. He said, wherever I go, they have a tea party. Wherever Paul went, they had a riot. Um, and so, yeah, so it likely he got scared um, and, and he went home. And, and if you remember in the Acts of the Apostles, there's a moment when they're getting ready to go and there is a dispute between um, Paul and Barnabas. Uh, and it has to do with Mark coming along uh, on the missionary journey. Paul didn't want to bring him along. Uh, uh, just sort of, you know what? Nope. I, he, he turned back before, uh, and he doesn't have what's needed. Uh, and so he wasn't going to come along. And again, there was the dispute between the two of them. And actually, Mark went uh, along with Barnabas. Uh, and then we hear that Silas and then uh, Timothy as well went along with Paul. Uh, as you read through the letters of Paul, though, we see that later in life, um, Paul mentions uh, Mark with, with fondness. They had, they had reconciled whatever you know, differences, disappointments, uh, et cetera, had been present, had been they're reconciled at this point uh, later in, in life and ministry. And I, uh, I'll tell you the reason why I share all of that is um, to help uh, for, for you and for me as we think about being people who follow Jesus, as we think about being people who are disciples of Jesus, uh, to um, dismiss uh, any ideas that we have that the original followers of Jesus had it all together, um, and that they didn't make mistakes, that they didn't fall short at times, that they didn't have um, cold feet uh, at times, to say that they're uh, men and women like you and me. And I I, I don't, uh, I mean, that's sincere that's true and in fact one of the things that we see in Mark's gospel there's a number of themes and, and particularly the theme I want us to talk a little bit about today and I'll you know maybe crickets I'll invite your um, interaction and, and you know if it's crickets I'll just keep talking I know how to do that but uh, I invite your thoughts on all this as well but one of the things uh, there Mark's gospel there there are different themes um, throughout and, and one of the interesting themes that's in Mark's gospel and Zach in some ways uh, alluded to this today in his uh, sermon. One of the themes, insiders and outsiders. And one of the interesting things about Mark's gospel is that, uh, and it's not unique, but it's particularly notable in Mark's gospel, is that it's often the outsiders who who get it before the insiders do. Uh, and, and it's often the outsiders that are more receptive to the message of the gospel than the insiders. The religious leaders, uh, particularly obviously the Pharisees and the scribes, were particularly hostile um, toward Jesus. Uh, so they're the insiders, the people that should be receptive, the people that should um, get it, the people that should be excited um, to see his arrival. But we see um, that the opposite is true. Um, his arrival isn't to their liking, um, and, and it upsets their... Uh, their power base it upsets their status quo god is not moving in the way that they think that god should move uh, and so we see that the insiders are, are resistant and and the outsiders um 
recognized Jesus, not only uh, the Gentiles and the lepers and those who are sick that would be considered outsiders, not only do those outsiders, uh, are they um, drawn to Jesus uh, and, and come into relationship with him. But one of the things that we note in Mark's gospel that's a unique facet is um, it's often um, the demons that recognize and confess Jesus first. Um, uh, I, I know who you are, uh, is, is what they say repeatedly. They, they see um, often before the disciples and the others. Uh, they recognize Jesus right away. Um, and, uh, and there's the command to silence, um, which, he gives, uh, which he gives to them. And one of them, uh, again, what I invite us to really think about this morning is, um, we, we talk a lot about this, is what does discipleship look like? We, we talk about discipleship. Um, what does discipleship look like uh, in, uh, in Mark's gospel? Uh, what does it look like to be in relationship and to be um, a follower of Jesus? Because certainly one of the things that Mark portrays, and again, this is not unique, but one of the things that we see, um, we see repeatedly uh, people's response to Jesus. Uh, we, we see their response to Jesus, whether uh, accepting or whether rejecting. And even you know those who, again, uh, like the disciples, those um, who do begin to follow him, they it's it's fits and starts. Um, they they do it really really well at times. They do it poorly at times. They understand him very well at times. They seem to not um, know him at all um, at times. And I want to read to you from a commentary by James Edwards uh, this definition of discipleship and discipleship. And I invite your interaction with it. And he says this. Um, Discipleship is repeatedly defined in Mark by simple proximity to Jesus. Um, so I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll, I'll read that first. Uh, and again, this is this is Edward, so I'm a uh, I'm a big fan of. But you know, he's a he's a commentator, so y'all can, you know, you can accept it, you can reject it, and say, well, um, sort of. Uh, so anyway, listen to what he has to say. Discipleship is repeatedly defined in Mark by simple proximity to Jesus, being with him, sitting around him hearing him and following him on the way. The simple but all-important act of hearing and following Jesus proceeds and is more important than disciples' complete understanding of him. The disciples, and especially the twelve, are frequently shown to lack understanding and even to be hard-hearted. Surprisingly, this does not compromise their discipleship. What Jesus has to teach can only be taught in an apprentice relationship which necessitates the disciples being with him more than their full understanding of him. Indeed, their understanding can only come from the vantage point of the cross, where the curtain temple is torn asunder and the meaning of Jesus' divine sonship is finally and fully revealed. And he says elsewhere, For Mark, faith and discipleship have no meaning apart from following the suffering Son of God. Faith is thus not a magical formula, but depends on repeating hearing of the word and participation in his mission. Well, that that's a ton of words I just threw out. Um, but any any initial response to that? It's like prayer requests, silently or in your heart. Um, uh, and he's talking to uh, for Mark. Faith and discipleship have no meaning apart from following the suffering Son of God. Faith is thus not a magic formula, but depends on repeated hearing of the word and participating in his mission. Yeah. Discipleship a lot last few years. 
I land in Mark in John eight, mm-hmm. where it is with that again. I go there, and I like what Edward said about um, apprenticeship during mm-hmm. proximity. Mm-hmm. Jesus says, "If you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples." Mm-hmm. That's where that's the preface, the verse right before, "For you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free." Mm-hmm. And so, in some ways, just this abiding. Yeah. Yeah, right. Right. Just abiding in the word, just proximity to the mm-hmm. word made flesh. That's yeah. riffing a lot with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But with those three things, like, so apprenticeship, hearing, and what was the third one we said? Um, uh, something else. Anyway, but it's all, those are all defined by what Jesus, there, it's not like what we want with him, it's him towards us, which I really like. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, that's the thing about Edwards is really, he's like, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter that you understand, that Jesus understands what he's doing. Yeah. And so he's working on you, you're just kind of sitting there and he's, you know, grabbing your hands and saying, no, mm-hmm. don't grab it, went this way, you know, do it. Mm-hmm. So I, I like that. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I particularly like the um, following Jesus along the way more than, um, you know, you've, you've, got, you've got it all. Because I think that can sometimes get in the way for folks, uh, this belief that I, that I really should have more understanding than I have, that I should be more fully formed than I am. I think that can, uh, well, it's like anything. We don't want to show up in something and stink, right? <laughs> you, know, you, you, you don't want to show up and be like, all right, he's the worst guy on the team. Um, <laughs> And so I think that can so that, that sort of naturally human tendency can get in the way of discipleship for us as well. It's like if I don't know enough, I, I'm just going to avoid rather than um, be with Jesus uh, along the way. One of my favorite, and this is a little melancholy, you mentioned uh, John 8, but I've always um, loved John 6 when Jesus is, is teaching and it's going great. And then, of course, he, as Jesus always does, like he <laughs> He won't play to the crowd. <laughs> Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no you have no part of me. And of course, we hear that people began to fall away, and he turned to the disciples. You know what about you? Do you would you like to go as well? And and I love Peter's words: "Lord, to whom shall we go? Uh, you alone hold the keys unto eternal life." As it, <laughs> it's just like, it's, exactly. It's just like it's almost it's kind of funny. It's almost kind of melancholy. But it's like. All right, I'm, I'm wrestling with this one, but I, but at least I do know there's nowhere else that, that I can go. Um, you alone hold the keys to eternal life. And this is totally my interpretation projection, but it's almost like to say, you know, we've tried other avenues. You know, we've, we, we, we've tried them, and we've come to realize that, that you alone um, hold the keys to eternal life. Um, when it comes to discipleship, it's very interesting that we have the 12, and then we have other disciples that went before them. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's as if the, the apostles themselves were, were really these stubborn gentlemen, um, people that just did not, they wanted and knew and felt, mm-hmm. but could not grapple with faith. And, and Jesus chose them. Mm-hmm. And, and in looking at our own need for discipleship, we want to be ready. Mm-hmm. And yet we sit there and we see our Christian life as being a struggle, and a struggle against our own stubbornness, and a struggle against mm-hmm. our own lack of faith that we, we view ourselves in this yeah. almost disgusted way as well. Why can't I be? Mm-hmm. And yet this is the life that, that Jesus, you know, like Daniel said, this is the life that Jesus gave to us. Yes. Not freedom in the way that we think we want freedom, freedom in the way that our, our, our spiritual bodies are mm. released. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love it. You know, it, it goes along. It's funny because in Mark's, um, we, we see... Uh, 
Now the, one of the great things about Mark II is, of course, Mark moves. Um, and you know, already uh, in, the, in the very beginning of, uh, in the first chapters of Mark's gospel, one, we see that, he's, that he calls very ordinary people um, in, in fishermen, but also he calls outsiders in Levi, the tax collector. I mean, again, that whole insider-outsider theme, Levi would have been entirely um, an outsider. That's, that's to be sure. Um, but, I mean, already they're, they're plotting how to kill him, get rid of him. Um, uh, but it, doesn't, it, doesn't take, it doesn't take long. Um, and, and, of course, I love, too, Jesus' provocativeness. Um, uh, in chapter 3, there's the, great, there's the man with the withered hand, uh, and he's there in the synagogue. And, and we're told that uh, you know, he was in the synagogue, and there's a man with the withered hand. Uh, and it's funny, and, and this is 3-2, and they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. <laughs> it's like, don't you dare do something good. We're, 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 watching, we're watching you. And it's all, you know, this is such a terrible example, but it's also, you know, it's kind of like, um, uh, you know, Jesus, the kid, like, you know, don't touch that. And he's just like, <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> watch, watch this, watch this, watch how I, watch how I heal this guy uh, on the Sabbath. Uh, and it is funny because uh, one of the things that we see, and thankfully, and I think this is one of the great things that you and I uh, grapple with. And it's funny because we say, we say, but we see that uh, throughout both, you know, uh, People want to uh, define uh, and contain Jesus in a way that he won't be defined and he won't be contained. Um, they they want to, and I, and I think that's <laughs> the, the old joke about, you know, God created us in his image and we've been trying to do the same thing ever since. I mean, they, they, they want to define Jesus uh, and, and they want to corral him. And one of the things that we see repeatedly is he will not be um, corralled. Uh, he will not be controlled and, and here's the thing he won't fit into the desired model for the religious and he won't fit into the desired model for the irreligious either um, he, you know he's uh, he is the definition he won't he won't be defined and interestingly that one of the things about Mark's gospel we see in Mark's gospel is this command to silence where he, where he tells people, and there's, there's some exceptions, but a lot of times he, he commands them to silence. Tell no one uh, is what he says. And of course, uh, for you and for me, you think, well, that's not what they said in Sunday school. Um, that's, no, this, this command to silence, that's, that's wrong um, because I was, told, uh, I was told differently. And, and uh, I, I love uh, Edward's explanation of that. Again, you can agree or disagree, but I, uh, I think he's right about this. One, there's an obvious, um, there's an obvious facet where um, the demons who recognize him, he's not going to allow them to be a spokesman. So I think that's wise um, to say, you know what? Yeah, you're, you know exactly who I am, but, it's, uh, but there's the clear command to silence in that instance. They're not to be his messengers. They're not to be his ambassadors. There, there's a certain um, timing component to it all. But what I think uh, is most certain is that uh, they cannot begin to understand Jesus. They cannot begin to be uh, his messengers. And he does send them out um, b before this and sends them out to, to, to heal and to preach uh, and to drive out. But there's a certain point where they can't know and understand Jesus and we can't know and understand Jesus until we can understand him through the vantage of the cross. 
it, it, it's, it's not until, because it, regardless of how sincere one is, regardless of how um, uh, well-intended one is, you can't really understand Jesus and his mission and ministry until you can see it through the lens of the cross and the resurrection. Uh, that, that's the necessary lens through which we interpret um, we interpret Jesus. And so, uh, you know, again, we, we, we go along early uh, in Mark's gospel already. Um, they're plotting on ways to, uh, ways to kill him. We, we see that he, uh, well, uh, that there is, yes, those who receive him greatly, uh, gratefully, but there's also tremendous um, opposition, uh, opposition to him. And even, um, even in chapter three, his mother and his brother show up to say, you know what, you've, you've kind of, you've gotten a little out of hand. Um, and so they sort of come to corral him. Um, <laughs> you're, you're taking this Messiah thing a little too seriously. Um, so even, you know, even quote, the ultimate insiders, his mother and his brothers, uh, come to say, hey, um, uh, this is uh, 331 um, here. You know, uh, we, we hear about uh, the scribes uh, who accuse Jesus of, of, operating, uh, of operating by uh, the power of Satan. And Jesus uh, sort of wonderfully says, well, that's just stupid. Uh, Satan's not going to drive out Satan. <laughs> it's just like that. That just—he's like, come on, guys. That—that's not. Uh, and it talks about the uh, the unforgivable sin, um, which is to uh, to accuse Jesus of working by Satan's power. I, there was a a lovely lady. She used to call me from time to time. She's since gone to glory, but she'd call me from time to time. Craig, I'm worried. I've uh, I've you know I've committed the unpardonable sin. Um, you know, about once a month. Uh, I'd say, you know. The fact that you're worried about it means you haven't. Um, you know, the fact that let me just, I don't want to be flip about this, but the fact you're concerned tells me, um, yeah, that you're that, that you're okay. And it was kind of one of those. Uh, she had held on to this one moment where she, you know, basically you know, rattled her hand at God. I'm like, yeah, read the Psalms, read the Bible. You're not the first. You know, again, I, I said it a little more, hopefully, um, a little less succinct. Uh, and, and, and listen, but it's funny. Yeah, from time to time, Craig, I think I've committed the. I'm, I'm like. <laughs> you haven't um still still haven't still haven't so anyway right here uh 331 and his mother and his brothers came and standing outside they sent to him and called him uh, and a crowd was sitting around him and they said to him your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you and he answered them who are my mother and my brothers and looking about at those who sat around him he said here are my mother and my brothers whoever does the will of god he is my brother and sister and mother and this is what I really want us to look at this morning. Chapter four is the parable of the sower, uh, the parable of the sower. And uh, interestingly, in the uh, what we call the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the parable of the sower is the parable that introduces the Jesus teaching in parables. So this is this is described as as the parable that is the key to understanding parables. And and I'll say a word uh, about parables, because um, uh, I think sometimes we can, and certainly myself as well, misunderstand parables. Uh, or Often, I guess, when parables are mentioned, people uh, often say, I love the parables. Um, you know, I, I love a good story. I, listen, I like a good story. I love a good parable. And Jesus uses parables in order to help people understand. Well, as you read through chapter four, Jesus says, no, actually, um, that's, yeah, that, that, that's not the case. Um, uh, and, and parables sometimes, again, parables sometimes are, are very 
comforting and easy to understand, but don't you sometimes read parables and say, uh, yeah, uh, uh, I, 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 I'm, str- I'm struggling with this one. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, um, or, or help me to see something, what it is, what in the world you're, you're trying to say here in the midst of this. So the parable of the sower um, is, is the key um, to the parables. And let me just ask this, and I'm going to read it to us, but um, when you think about the parable of the sower, what's the first thing you think about? The yeah, the sower, the, exactly. The sower went out. The sower went out to sow. Um, uh, I, well, I'll, I'll tell you my. I'll go ahead and here's my confession. Um, you know, when I would typically first hear the parable of the sower, I was not comforted. Uh, I, I was not. I was not the least bit comforted by that because, you know, it talks about. Some of the soil uh, falls upon, uh, you know, rocky ground. It springs up quickly, but you know, there's not really the the roots and the substance to 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 maintain it. it. You know, it springs up quickly and it withers away. And others, you know, fall amongst the thorns, and you know, it comes up, but the the cares and concerns of this world um, choke it. And you know, others, you know, falls along, and the birds come and steal it and take it away. And I'll bet you, but I hear that I'm just thinking, that sounds a lot like me. Uh, so, so when I hear the parable of the story, initially I'm just thinking, oh, and, and because here's here's the problem. Uh, in, in many ways, it's a it's a it's a misreading, and it's one that I am uh, can be liable uh, to do and culpable is I make it about the soil. Uh, I make the I make the parable about the soil, and then when we make the parable about the soil, which I think is kind of like a, the the first inclination, uh, who is it about? It, it's it's about you and me. Uh, when you when you make it about the soil, it, it makes it about you and me. Um, <laughs> and I'd like to think I'm not the only one <laughs> that tends to often think, what does this say about me? Uh, it was hilarious years ago. I was uh, uh, moving away from Sullivan's Island, from Holy Cross Sullivan's Island. Why would anyone do that? Um, and I was moving away from there. We were moving to Texas. And they're having a little reception and uh, a little going away reception for us. And Maisie was little. They were all little at that time. But Maisie was little and I was holding her. You know how you do. She, you know, there they are and you're, you're, you're holding them. And uh, the, it's kind of like, okay, you know, Craig, say something. Um, and so you're standing there, people looking at you. And it's so funny, Maisie uh, is right here and she whispers in my ear, Tell them about me. <laughs> Talk about me. That's uh, what she said. I just thought there, there's. I love like there's human nature. Like yeah, talk about uh, talk about me. So again, the parable of the soil is like, what does it what does it say about me? Um, and uh, and again, that's uh, that that is to uh, that's to misinterpret and to misapply uh, the parable um, of the soil. Um, Again, with that idea of discipleship uh, that uh, that Edwards throws out there about um, following Jesus, and I think one of the big words, one of the big phrases, I think, is so following Jesus along the way, um, following Jesus uh, along the way, because as they follow Jesus along the way in an apprentice-type relationship, well, none of us, uh, maybe y'all uh, do, but I, it typically takes me a while to catch on to something. Yeah, I need to hear it uh, repeated. I need to. Um, experience it uh, and following Jesus uh, along the way um, they will begin to they will begin to understand 
So here we are with the parable of the sower. Again, that's the key, uh, supposedly the key to opening the parables. Um, Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen. And let me say that, uh, that uh, he will begin this uh, chapter with a, with a call, listen, uh, and then he will end um, with that word, uh, listen. And so I, um, I want to invite us uh, to, to do just that, uh, to, to listen um, to, what, to what he has to say. Listen, a sower went out um, to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seed fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, so they asked him about the parables because they said, okay, we, we didn't get it. Um, we, you know, we're, we're, we're with you along the way. We're, we're listening, uh, but, but we didn't get it. To you is, and this is, I think this is the key right here. Um, verse uh, four, chapter four, verse 11. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. What, what do you think that is? There's a funny, go ahead, yeah. Exactly, exactly. You can go those. That's right. It was funny with the kids and the kids in the Sunday school class and the teachers describing, you know, what's you know brown and furry and you know gathers gathers nuts, et cetera, et cetera. And she goes on, and a uh, little girl says, "You look at." Certainly sounds like a squirrel, but I know the answer is supposed to be Jesus. Um, so it's kind of like one of those. It's so like you know. So uh, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, and what I would say, uh, what I would contend is that the secret of the kingdom of God is Jesus. Uh, that's you know that's that's the key. Um, it's it's a key <laughs> that's not always um, easy to to comprehend. Uh, but to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And we'll we'll come back to that a little bit because that's a that's a puzzling that's a that's a puzzling statement there. Um, it's like, was Jesus having a bad day or what? You know, you kind of hear that. You say, well, wait, yeah, well, that's, hmm. Uh, and again, there's there's one, um, this, uh, one of the things about parables, which I think is, is true and important, again, you can agree or disagree, um, is that parables necessitate our engagement. Parables necessitate our engagement. A lot of times, you know, we want to be told, just tell me, you know, tell me, bump, 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 tell me to do, you know, one, two, three, or just go ahead, or just go ahead and, and, and give me, and, and give me the answers. Um, but, but parables, 
uh, necessarily call us to engage. I would say in many ways parables are relational. Um, let me ask you, for those of you, well, you don't have to be married, but if you are married, um, do you sometimes find your spouse a mystery? Um, it's like your spouse is a parable. Um, that's kind of like, all right. I, 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 I love you, but I'm trying to understand you. And again, it doesn't have to be a spouse. I mean, good grief. I mean, anyone, family, um, uh, family or parables. I mean, it's kind of like you're trying to, you're, you're, you're trying to, and, Examples are given sometimes, you know, like a tapestry. You know, you look at the back side of the tapestry, and it just it looks like a bunch of strings, and da 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 da. da. But then, of course, you flip it over, uh, and and there it is uh, into focus. And so, parables call us um, into a relationship, uh, and and relationships are um, are, are interactive. Uh, sometimes clear, sometimes less clear. Uh, the the parables wonderfully call us to engage, and in the engagement. Something, something deep and lasting happens uh, in in the engagement and in the grappling with it. And so, in many ways, what uh, I think what Jesus is saying here in twelve um, is um, is descriptive more than prescriptive, um, saying that those that those who will engage um, uh, that that they will come to understand, uh, and those who those who refuse to engage. Um, will will not will not understand. It's what he what he goes on um, later, and he talks about those who have more will be given, and those who don't have even what they have will be taken away from them. It it, it talks about it talks about faith, and it talks about um, relationship. And he said to them, "Do you not understand this parable? Um, how then will you understand all the parables?" Um, you know, it's funny too because I. I I wonder, as Jesus says that to him, you know, how much is how much is exasperation, and how much is said with sort of a little um, sort of hint of a smile um, as as he's as he's talking to them? Because once again, yours and my limitations are not news to God. Um, it's it's not like he's surprised. Like I didn't I didn't know that about them. Uh, it's this is you know again if if this were a surprise, he would not have come um, to seek us uh, as a as a shepherd. Uh, and and he says wonderfully in John's gospel, lay his, lay his life down for us and take it up again. Not to have it taken from him, but to willingly lay it down and to take it up again. And he said to them, do you not understand uh, this parable? And how then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones uh, along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word, what is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a little while. Then when tribulations or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. Let me, let me pause there and let me ask you, when you hear Jesus' description, do you feel any better? <laughs> I'm still like, now nah, I may feel worse. Uh, <laughs> like all the, all the fears and anxieties that I mentioned to you at the very beginning, I'm like, this, this is not really lightened. Uh, this is not really lightened those uh, as, as I hear him Talk about this. This only seems to drive home um, more my anxieties. And then uh, there's a uh, something that uh, 
uh, Mark does, uh, and you'll see this as you read through Mark's gospel. This sounds so goofy, but it's the sandwich technique. Um, and, and what it is is uh, stories will be inserted in the middle of stories. It's sometimes, yeah, it, I don't think it's that Mark was ADD, but you know, he'll be telling a story and then he'll sort of insert another story in the middle of that and then he'll come back uh, then he'll come back to the story or the encounter that he was telling, and it's and the reason is the the sandwich. What's what's placed in there is to give light um, to the whole, to help uh, to help comprehend and understand uh, understand the whole. And and Jesus now talks about a lamp under a basket, and he said to them, "Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed, and not um, on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret." except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Again, I'm laughing because I think if, if I'm walking along, I'm like, I'm totally, I'm totally confused. Um, I'm totally confused right now. Again, thus the need to walk with Jesus um, along the way. I, you know, I would contend that, that, uh, that, the, that the lamp that cannot be hidden, that the light that cannot be hidden, uh, put under a basket, but uh, needs to be put on a stand is Jesus. Uh, and, and I would... I don't know if this is uh, the, the the thinking of, of Jesus or Mark, but I mean, obviously, the, the the stand ultimately that Jesus will be put upon is the cross on Golgotha. I mean, that's that's the stand on which Jesus um, will will be put. And one of the things, not you know, certainly in Mark's gospel, one of the things about the seed and the sower, one of the just again, it's interesting because in many ways Jesus simultaneously hides himself and reveals himself. And I think to some degree, that's, is that not an experience in our life uh, to some degree? I mean, sometimes Jesus feels more hidden than revealed. Um, sometimes he feels more distant um, than near. Uh, and so he seems to um, simultaneously hide himself uh, and reveal himself. He, he makes uh, you know, clear messianic claims about himself, but then he commands um, people to silence um, it's 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 interesting, and, and yet he's saying uh, that that he is uh, he is the light. Pay attention uh, uh, to what you hear, what the measure um, you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For the one who has more will be given, and for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And this is actually this little bit here, this uh, four twenty six, is unique to Mark's gospel. You know, a lot of the uh, a lot of this. Um, uh, a lot of the parables, the stories, the the, the miracles, um, etc., are contained in, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They they share that, and they'll you know some will have some details that the others don't. But there's a uh, you know there's there's the the majority is is similar. But this is this little saying right here is is unique to Mark. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleep, and they, again, this is. This is interesting. This is mysterious. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And then he goes on, this is the last I'm going to read from uh, for the parable of the mustard seed. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants 
and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained um, everything. So uh, as I'm looking at the time here, I'm like, okay, um, maybe not just sort of completely, totally um, uh, muddy things here um, as, as we go about uh, looking at this. Any, I've got a few things to say, but any sort of questions, comments, reflections you have as, uh, as we've heard all of this? Yeah. Don't you understand this? Don't you right. Know, it, it, like you said, it's like, is it, is it just, it's on a bad day. Just, but, you know, part of it, you look back there, if you think about it, is, is we struggle here. There's almost a comfort level of, here are the folks that were with Jesus. Oh, absolutely. Hearing you and I talking word to yes. word. In, in because of our human, you know, policy, yeah. still have trouble understanding. So when you start giving yourself a hard yeah. time of, I'm not getting it. I'm failing Jesus, stuff like that. Yeah. Sometimes I think he's put that in there to get us a comfort level. Like I said, he knows. Oh, indeed. We're not going to go get that. And that's, if there's nothing more that shows that is the folks that were there with him, you know, every second mm-hmm. of the day still struggle with it. Yeah. And so it is anticipated we're not yeah. just going to get it. Oh, ab- absolutely. I, I find it incredibly encouraging. And when you really begin to read through the Bible, you think, oh, you know, all right, this is this is helpful. Um, the, these people look a lot like me, uh, with, with without a doubt. Um, yeah, any anything else? Uh, want to say uh, want to say a couple of things here. Um, one of the things that we see, because again. Uh, if you're anything like me, the immediate fear is it's about the soil, and I don't feel like I'm very good soil, and so um, yeah, so so I'm so I'm anxious about that. But it's it's ultimately it's ultimately about the seed and the sower. Uh, it's ultimately about the seed and the sower. I mean, I I think again, human nature is such, and we hear that uh, the production of the seeds, and you know, thirtyfold, sixtyfold, hundredfold, uh, and there's the you know we can we can get. Uh, caught up in comparison. Am I producing as much as this person? Am I as faithful? Am I as, you know, well, whatever, whatever it is? You know, how do I, um, how do I compare? But one of the things, interestingly, we, one of the things that it says about the gracious character of God, um, the, the sower is very indiscriminate, isn't the sower? He's just, he's just, he's just, he's just throwing the seed out. He's not saying, that soil's no good. I'm not going to, nope, not going to touch not going to touch that so I mean I, I want to like gardening but I don't um, I, you know I've, I've, I've tried at different times and I want to care I just don't um, and um, but I mean at least even someone like me who doesn't care you realize like, there's good you can look at someone like oh, that stinks um, you know, that's but we see the sword is indiscriminate the, 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 the graciousness of God is is dramatically um, he is completely indiscriminate um, in the way that he scatters uh, the seeds of his grace um, on terrible soil um, like you and like me. Um, I mean, all the things that are described, they're not insignificant, uh, to, you know, just to kind of go along with the cares of the world, etc. And I think it's good that we be rattled a little bit when we, when we hear that, but that's also part of what's common to the human condition. Uh, I mean, we're all going to get sucked into the cares and concerns. And again, Zach wonderfully addresses some of that today in his, in his sermon. I mean, we need, to, we need to be 
uh, called, uh, we, we, we need to have that called in our life but to say, yeah, that's going to be, that's going to, that's going to be there. But we see the, the radical lack of discrimination, uh, the, the sower just uh, casts the seed um, all around, um, all, um, all over the place. And the other thing I'd say is um, seeds, um, seeds are not impressive to look at. Again, I, I, you know, I try, it's just, you know, you just look, they're, they're, uh, a seed is completely un, un, unimpressive, but uh, and and uh, yeah, kind of like kind of like you and me. And and what does the what does the seed do uh, to produce fruit? It dies. Uh, what, what what does the seed do to produce fruit? It it, it, it dies. Seeds don't pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Um, seeds go into the ground uh, and they're and they're covered up and they die. Uh, and and that is the means by which. Um, they 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 bear fruit. I mean, I for 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 you and for me, it, it's it's the means of death and resurrection. It's means, of course, ultimately of Jesus's death and resurrection. Resurrection is what is what bears fruit, and it's our and it's in our own death um, and resurrection that that fruit um, is born is born in our lives. The the seeds um, the seeds are sown. Um, but something has been sown into the seeds to enable them to grow. It doesn't again. It doesn't come from them. It comes from from outside, um, from outside of them. The growth and the fruit uh, doesn't come from you and I tilling up our soil just right. And and there are things that we can do discipleship wise that are important. Um, I mean, our gathering together, like this, our our, our praying, our, our praying for one another, our praying, our, our reading the Bible, our gathering together for worship, our, our giving, um, our, our, our serving. And, you know, I mean, all those things are, are, are good, healthy, uh, healthy practices. But ultimately, it's about the mysterious power of God uh, at work that, that bears the fruit. And that's what Jesus is calling us to hear, that he is the key to the kingdom, that, that, that he himself is the key to the kingdom, the, the, the call to listen um, to him and to walk with him and to follow him, not in complete comprehension, um, but to, but to follow and to be um, in relationship with him. And, and ultimately, um, Jesus is the one who will be sown, right? He's, he's on the cross and he goes into the earth. Uh, he's on the cross and he goes into the earth and he goes into the tomb. Jesus is ultimately the one um, who is sown. And of course, uh, he will come up out. He will come up out of the tomb um, as well. Uh, he, he will bring the Holy Spirit, uh, but he will bear that fruit of salvation, of reconciliation, um, uh, of mercy. Uh, Jesus uh, is the one who ultimately uh, enables us to bear fruit. Jesus being sown in yours and my life, uh, yours and my death and resurrection, our listening, that's the means by which fruit is produced. And again, the, the soil doesn't decide how much fruit it's going to produce. <laughs> the sower... <laughs> It's, it's that's not the work of the soil. Um, yours, it, it's not to say I want to be a hundredfold. Uh, you know, I want to be sixty. I want to be thirty. It's just like you know what. Uh, listen to me. Uh, come to me. Be in a relationship with me. Allow me to sow the seed of myself um, in in you, and and then I'll uh, I'll I'll bear the fruit. Again, it's 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 sort of it's it's entering into that mystery to some degree. Um, I mean, there, there's there's clarity, and there's a certain amount that um, is, uh, is is received uh, is received in faith. Well, once again, I, I'm really glad to clear things up um, for you today. And uh, but I would you know, invite you to think about. Uh, I really, honestly, I mean, it's it's a great. I, I love reading through Mark's gospel again, and I would really 
invite you to read through and, and, and grapple some with uh, this fourth chapter and, and, what, and what Mark has to say um, and what Jesus um, has to say and, uh, and, uh, and to allow that, uh, that power of God to work. Well, let me pray for us. Most gracious God, thank you. Thank you for this time. What a great gift um, it is to us. And I thank you for those gathered here. Lord, I pray that by the work of your um, Holy Spirit that you would indeed um, sow deep into our hearts and our lives those seeds of faith and that you, um, by your amazing work, would enable them to bear fruit and and ultimately that it would be life-giving and would be for your glory. This we ask ourselves we offer in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.